As we heard in Gavin Bouquet's interview about the production design elements that go into making the world of Silo look real, there's also a digital element. And Daniel Rauchworker is a visual effects supervisor on Silo to make the digital mesh cleanly with the practical. He's known for his work on Inception, Attack the Block, and the movie that I really, really liked that I think deserved more love, John Carter. His other credits included the remake of Total Recall, F9, and what we're talking to him about, Silo. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Here's my conversation with Daniel Rauchenberger. The, the first thing is, actually, I talked to Gavin just recently, and really, I think seamlessly, how the CGI meshed with the practical to create this expansive place that probably wasn't that expansive in real life. Uh, so I guess I, I asked him about this, but obviously there's a lot of coordination that is involved really right from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, it was just when I joined the show, there was um, quite a lot of the extensive design done by Gavin and his team. Um, and really, I think we had the the instruction of make the silo a character it's a it's in the background you're all it's always there you always feel it it's always alive and yet you don't want to kind of go oh look set extension you don't have that um point of oh that's where the transition is we know that's not real and really i, I think that's the fun the fun part that we kind of found a balance of how is it designed and how do we continue the design from the set to the digital world without it feeling like, oh, th those are the sets and the, it's how do you create it and what what trickery we can do with if it's, you know, the lighting that uh, and the and where exactly the scenes on the set go and what do we keep when we had to take a bit more extensive work into the visual effects work. What can production design do for for us in order to for us to be able to yeah, seamlessly seamlessly continue and build up on it something that you don't really feel. I mean, I'm kind of proud that people watch the show and if they're not really thinking VFX, I'm kind of I'm invisible. It's almost like one of those things. Like, what was the VFX? And yes, everyone knows you won't be able to dig underground 144 floors, but you don't think about it. You just accept it as a, as a place, as a reality. So. As far as uh, like adding, like, I know there were like several corridors and, and you know, like, for example, where all the apartments are, there's like a walkway and things. Did you add stuff to that as well? And, and also trying to make each level a little different as far as, uh, you know, visual effects. I think, yeah, so there's alleyways, there's a lot of sets that were, um, yeah, as I said, our sets were very, very big. And we had areas where it was just, yeah, you can walk off one set into another. And everything we had to do was either in the level of adjusting it to fit into something that story-wise a bit different. We did have some subtle work in those in some of the smaller alleyways where you know you shoot up into the lights and that's where yeah, there's no amount of set build you can do to block a, a, the fact that you see some of our rigging but those were the, the more simple 
things we had to do. Adjusting the different levels to feel different was, I think, something that obviously you cannot just rebuild the set every time you move one level up and one level down. So we had to find almost a digital layer of dressing that we can put on top to help this kind of transition, which is you travel down. Sometimes it was just adjustment to the level of atmospherics and degradation on the wall. You'd see a bit more graffiti. We added a bit more rust and made it feel um, like your the journey leads you down. As you go up, we kind of cleaned it up a bit. We made the concrete pop a bit more as if it's better maintained. So it was kind of always the, the thought was you really want the audience to be able to go I know where I am in the silo. It's very easy to get lost in a space. You go, I wait, it's all a bit similar, but how do I differentiate? It's about the amount of laundry we put on on, on sets. And we had a whole, a whole system. The further down you go, the more people are using their own, you know, they let their, they hang the laundry out. They kind of, they put more cables. There's a bit more of that kind of improvised um, version, which is something that we build on set as well with Gavin and his team, there was always that kind of what are the textures we we have available to us and what did you do when you build the lower floor? What do we do when we go up and how do we, you know, extend, expand on that kind of uh, vision? Speaking of lower floors, uh, when um, when Juliet goes below to see her, you know, her lover, I think Hank is his name, and his place... Uh, I mean, yes, there's Gavin built a practical area, but that whole area, it, you just gave it like this cinematic, ex, you know, like like, a, like something out of a movie rather than television. And I've got a big screen and, and held up really well. So um, um, talk about that. That's that was an amazing uh, collaboration between sets and visual. I think yeah, that's the it's it's a set. First of all, I mean, Outpost uh, is the vendor that did this work, and I mean, I have to say I'm I'm very proud of this work, but uh, it's an achievement by a lot of digital artists that kind of you know that sit and add their love and so <laughs> and everything they have to to make it kind of feel so real and cinematic. And really, we started with. A small section of a set and the set was a bit of something that had its own challenging kind of uh, prospect of what what makes it feel so big how do we connect it so you almost feel like yeah i can see how this is the machine that built this silo how this is a place that needs to feel practical and real and with the design, it was almost once we started putting the shots together, we hold, we had to really start moving things around and making it feel like it makes sense because it is a massive machine. And if you start thinking about those things, it's very easy to lose that suspense of disbelief of kind of, okay, yeah, that would, they will build this thing and bury it in the ground. So it was from what makes the rock look real and, and collapsed rocks and areas in the wall that you barely see in the darkness. I re I'm very proud that if you expose up and build, give more light into the shot, you would still see more textures and layers revealed from the minerals in the rock to that kind of what those crane arms look like and how do they feel so big. And so we started adding more 
stairs and ladders and the human scale in everything you look at there's going to be some switch and some area that is accessible to the operators of the machine that you can just look at it and go oh you would walk there and op- it was really important to us to build that thing and we looked and did a lot of research about mining equipment what would you do to build a vertical silo and yes we've allowed ourselves something that maybe will anger an engineer but it is movie making uh, yes. and and that kind of set which is very beautiful and feels very intimate how do we keep it feeling this way when we sur- surrounded with something that again will need some repetition and some scope and also justify the story that leads us into that place because it is something that was quite hard um to it to get that movement from one spot to the other to another spot and eventually lead all the way down to the bottom of this space without again without revealing certain things too early so it was structured to constantly kind of uh, reveal more of this uh, quite beautiful uh, void you know, there's scenes where the characters look down and they see the whole silo. Uh, when you're when you're doing something like that, is is a, is that like first a sketch from the art department as to how it's going to look, and maybe as you're building it, do you add more details to it? Um, absolutely. I mean, the silo was designed, and eventually we had to take over into the VFX world of how to map it. And one of the reasons we had to kind of almost build up a new and a more extensive map is because visually when you imagine the silo it's um i'm saying imagine now it's no longer imagining but it exists as something that has a pipe and a perspective and you want to look at it and kind of and for every shot we had to almost imagine that view when you look down in new york kind of avenue what makes it feel real what makes it anchored in reality and how do we make our silo even though very repetitive if you think about it it's something that is stairs balconies apartments what do we do with lights what do we do with what would be our distant neon sign and distant aerial antennas and those things when we don't have those tools we had to kind of um, build a new tool set of What's the lighting from the farm levels? How does it spill when you kind of go into night mode? What makes it go, oh, that's a distant farm. So build those textures you see in in everyday life and you just accept it as I know where I am, almost kind of allowing the audience to localize themselves in the world and uh, understand it with just a very distant glow. More challenges and solutions for the visual effects in Silo in just a moment. There was a, a scene where Geraldine James got an actor who, whose work I've admired for years from Jewel in the Crown going back years ago. But she's giving a speech as, you know, really the leader. And you see people below her. Uh, were there digital people created for this? Yes. So the silo, we had, obviously we started the, the show in mid-COVID. So anyway, we were kind of limited with how many people we can fit on our sets. Our sets were absolutely massive. But and it's almost like there's no amount of people you can push onto those sets that makes them feel full. Um, And also, we had to extend it down. Anytime we see off our set, we would see into our digital crowd. So we had to extend on both the real level of set and below, uh, which 
I think the crowd was really where the life of the silo played out. That's where I, our biggest uh, achievement or challenge was to go and, and analyze what what would make those shots look real, what what does someone that just looks at a speech and clapping behave it would do. And I remember when I read the script, she's very, it's unlike shows where you go and you do the regular stadium crowd. They're either excited, waving their flags, or they're a bit more relaxed. I think this challenge was she's giving them instruction. She's telling them to stand silently and um, reminisce about something or to toot their horns or clap. And there's also the layer of not everyone hears that sound at the same time. What is the sonic wave of, if you remember the old um, Queen Live Aid concert, when you see sure. song and the crowd are clapping, you can see a, a sonic wave of claps moving from where the speakers are to where the distance is. And we really tried to create that feeling of movement in the silo something comes lower in the silo we created this feeling of there's areas that are going to be empty people would tend to go see an event in the area where it's easier to view or see or there are speakers it's very deep so someone in the bottom of the silo is not going to you know walk right to the center of the silo to look up because they will see nothing so we yeah. had to map that visual placement of crowd and how they react and you would see sometimes everyone would clap and we added that one person that is just having a chat and ignoring it completely or walking away to make it feel this kind of natural festival feeling of oh he's just going to buy himself a beer in the background while they're all listening to the speech. I think what sells that sequence so well is cutting with between real people and the digital group and the way it was so beautifully edited, you you didn't even think that, oh, I'm looking at digital people. You're you're caught up in the moment of her speech, the reactions and everything. So you don't think, I mean, we, we react emotionally. We don't think, oh, I'm watching the special effects. It's like, how do I feel when I'm watching something? So I think that came through really, really nicely in that. The, uh, the IT control room that we see Tim Robinson's character in at uh, especially towards the end uh there were a lot of monitors on tv monitors was was that some digital magic as well maybe there was a couple that were real and then the rest were like duplicated kind of thing um no so this is something that required quite a lot of planning because timing and how we had to build it we had to basically Put the monitors there but this became they we knew that the monitors are going to become digital work and one of the things that you have to deal with is that when you see a vision a visual of one of our sets if it's a blue screen set you basically it's a visual effects within a visual effects you comp the screen you create the content of the screens and the thing about the silo is that we had to do thousands of cameras so how do you create the illusion of every image is different so we shot quite a bit of material and what we call the watchers unit it was just to shoot content to feed the vast amount of screens i remember when i was we were first talking about the design of the room um with gavin we talked about it and i immediately went and said okay let's do a bit of a calculation assuming we see minimum of nine images per screen how many screens do we need to create in order to feed into that room and then there was also the layer of technology in that space of how do you 
differentiate it? How do you build it to feel more advanced to give it to help that story point of we know what the what technology is available to the people of the silo and what how do we make it feel oh there is something there that's more advanced more kind of to give that kind of feeling of oh we are looking at something different and uh, and new the mess hall and that screen um really interesting the the way whenever you see somebody outside there's a, a different texture to that obviously they shot it you know uh, you know with the actors and everything uh it was that altered as far as the footage to make it look like like almost an old-fashioned video camera yes yeah, so i mean this this uh screen was one of the first challenge we had to to uh, attack as a visual effects department because it was huge it was something it presented some challenges you don't even, you don't actually think about when you you approach a screen and go okay it's a screen i create the image but really when you think about the lens that is needed in order to get a very specific composition for the characters suddenly you start thinking that lens will not do that kind of wide image the ratio suddenly becomes something you're really analyzing and this in reality it's actually an array of five cameras joined together to create that wide image and then if you look at it even further there's they had to be a different approach to what happens when someone is far away from the camera to still be able to see the character and read that beautiful composition i think the the just the, the footage in that cafeteria sometimes looks absolutely stunning when you see the characters on the on the distant hill and then they come to the screen and suddenly they have to touch the lens which in reality would require a completely different approach to the lensing of the shot so it is a cheat and something we've done with uh, quite a lot of trickery and the help of our uh, amazing dp uh, mark Patton. so we had to find solutions for what do you do when someone is on the camera because really they're touching a lens that they would cover with their hand but we want to see them in the room cleaning how do you create that illusion without losing the audience and and make the screen feel like it's not the best quality lens you don't want it to feel like oh it's it's an imax amazing lens and amazing camera it's actually something that is just a very low tech screen so we did have to, to give it that kind of look and find a sweet spot of what translates visually to that digital world we had to build outside um which leads to the end of the yeah let's talk about outside um was the um th there's 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 different versions of outside there's one you see that everything is pretty much desolate and then there's one that's green was that all digitally created or were there parts of it that were real for the actors to interact on we we built when we did the exterior of the desolate world we kind of from very early on um we've decided to give the actors something to interact with because really it's it's very hard performing on just a blue screen and well it's not just hard it's it doesn't give you the same you know the same feel when someone performs in in, in nothing so we gave them this this world to kind of work with which we it was a corridor of exactly where they need to interact just because of this the scope it's quite a big 
silo. <laughs> it's 560 feet. It's, it's, it's massive. Um, so we created the desolate world for them. And then just a very small section of what we call the lush world. Uh, the main reason we approach it with a more digital um, approach is, first of all, there is something in the reveal that needed to go and cater to that. Oh, now I see why we kept it a bit. In some places, we almost held back on pushing the realism just to kind of help an illusion for something that will the payoff later will come from it. But the other thing is that we needed something that when you look on the cafeteria screen on our desolate world and you look at it in the lush world, you would again be able, able to recognize where you are looking towards. So we had to go, that needs to be the same item but now in a different form you really wanted to make sure that at no point you look at it and go oh i don't know where i'm looking it's it's a round world it's a circle so you wanted to make sure that people don't find out the trick you're doing too early but at the same time they're constantly knowing okay i'm in the i'm i'm with the person looking outside versus now i'm in the cafeteria looking at exactly the same thing and you're always localizing yourself in this world so it was a bit of a was mathematical kind of figuring out where where everything is but uh it pays off it's a nice reveal and nice uh that has a big big cliffhanger there yeah i mean that's another thing when rebecca's juliet finally goes over the hill she sees a city and uh it's not in the best condition either <laughs> Uh, I mean, I have my theories on what she's actually seeing and what is actually there. Uh, and I actually mentioned that to Tim Robbins because he does something uh, that uh, that kind of makes makes it a little challenging, but I won't say any more. But uh, I guess you had to create that as well, kind of a rundown city, uh, I, I guess, kind of as a discouragement for anybody that would get that far. Yeah, I mean, there's a story to it, and uh, without revealing, <laughs> there's more to come. And I think that's the, I think that's the, the beautiful thing about this show. It is really when I read the scripts, and it is, it's kind of a, it has a lot of layers, and it keeps revealing more and more. So it has, you almost feel like it's constantly expanding, and from taking you from being, well, what I can describe, buried underground. Yeah, it. Um, reveals the world to you and yeah we had to build that exterior world and there is um rodeo that did the visual effects for that section we've added so many tiny details that if you really kind of if people what i like about it is that i think one day people will pause and start going back frame by frame and kind of going oh that was that was there for me to find it was it's nice it's like you, you get to build Yet another world. Now you're outside. What is this? What makes it outside? And what is the tiny details we've added? And there's a lot of, there was a lot of thinking about what can make it feel so amazing when you first see it. And what, what are we showing? What are we kind of holding back on? It's really, it's quite a nice shot and quite. Yeah, I can't wait for uh, season two. Hopefully when things get resolved as far as uh, what's going on right now that um but i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> we'll see a little more of the outside and that's about it yeah. um i have to credit you also for your work on inception which i thought was visually and and dramatically an important film 
uh, you know, really about our dreams and manipulating our dreams. And uh, the sequence with uh, Elliot Page and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the cafeteria was absolutely incredible. So, I mean, that a lot of work went into that one, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that was... There's a lot of work went into it. I think it was quite a different challenge. I mean, it's many years ago, and with the, and I mean, I was one of them. Very, very big team that worked on it, but it was, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because I think it it shares a lot of the same DNA as Silo in a way. So if you look at shows where the visual effects are are needed to tell the story. And they're not there to, you know, because we can, we can, we have money to put it. It's like a truffle. If it's, if it's in the wrong dish or you put too much of it, yes, it's luxurious, luxurious and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's expensive, but it doesn't mean it's good. Yes. It's like visual effects need to be used to support a story. And I think that's why Inception, uh, was such a success, at least for us. Uh, you know, we, got the oscar and it was deserving yeah. because it was yeah. you know shared work with sfx and visual effects to bring something that a lot of it was done for real and a lot of it was done to you really push the re how far you can go with real stuff until you run out of ability to do it and then visual effects is there to help and tell the story and the story comes first not second to a big explosion i prefer those shows and silo gave me this opportunity as well from day one when i read the script i said that's the show where we're telling a story and if i've done my work right people that don't know any anything about it will just not know there was any vfx mm -hmm. that will expect something but not and, and lastly do you see the difference between the amount of tools you had for inception and what you have for silo now and how much more there is for you Oh yeah, there's a, the the, the toolset keeps expanding. I mean, we've done Inception with with tools that some of them don't exist anymore because they're obsolete or uh, been discontinued. And you know, we've built since then on every show that I've done. And to the scope of VFX, every company that's been working on VFX movies constantly pushing the boundaries of what toolset is available to us. And when we got to Silo, yes, the technology is completely different and things that were, I mean, so difficult back then are much more achievable, which the funny thing is, you know, something that was very hard crowd, those kind of things. Now we, we pushed it to the point when I would say things were still difficult because you get a new tool and then you push it to the limit of the, what the tool can do and a bit beyond. And suddenly there's a new thing that comes up and for the next season we're i can tell you we're developing on top of what we developed for the first one and it's going to continue i mean that's what i hope that's the fun it's uh, always do something a bit take what you have and play with it uh, there you go thank you so much what a pleasure to talk to you daniel and a great work and you know you're, you're right it's not just what you guys do but in support of this wonderful story and cast and writing and it's just I think when everything comes together like this, it's really special. And uh, I think this is the best new series of the year by far. I haven't seen anything as original as this 
uh, in a long time, and I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. I do. I agree. It's a very, you can feel that a lot of people put quite a lot of their heart and soul into this show, show and you see it from costumes to the, you know, it's, it's loads of departments come together into trying and see how we can, it, it's really, it was kind of a lot of joint effort with every department, not just production design with costumes and SFX and and hair and makeup always kind of looking oh if we do this maybe the digital crowd would feel better because we know that would be a challenge it was just small things like that that really pays off as a final effort and translates to screen yeah it sure does and great series thanks again for talking to me about this and and sharing some of the secrets and uh, best of luck to you and uh, looking forward to uh, the second season hopefully it'll be sooner than later yeah, I hope so too. Thank you very much. There's 10 episodes available on Silo, so check them out on Apple TV+. Plus. I think it's a, it's a series that is definitely worth watching. And you can, actually, you can actually catch a lot of podcasts with no commercial interruptions, complete and uncut, at Sci-Fi Talk Plus. Click on the link in the show notes for a free lifetime subscription offer. Yes, it's free without any obligation to join. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.